This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going on, everybody? Uh, welcome to another episode of Shooting It Straight um, with yours truly, Justin Jackson, and my man, John, the guy who makes everything happen. Beloved Tar Heels pulled out another win, ninety to sixty-eight against Lehigh. Um, you know, I think it's hard to really take games or take things from games like this, um, but I think there are definitely a few things that I kind of saw as as the game went on. Um, you know, once again, obviously, it's hard to win in college basketball, so we have to praise them for pulling out a win. Um, but I think, uh, you know, as I'm kind of watching this and as I'm thinking. You know, I hate going back to my time in North Carolina, but even as, you know, watching previous UNC teams um, that had a lot of success. I think one of the biggest things, and uh, you can you can kind of chime in on this one, but I think one of the biggest things whenever I'm watching this team just through the first two games, and it's early, once again, there's a lot of learning things that people getting comfortable with each other and, you know, freshmen coming in trying to figure things out. So it's super early. Um, but I think just seeing um, these teams, Radford and Lehigh now, stick around all the way through halftime, I think is kind of my one of my biggest takeaways kind of while I'm watching the game, um, that I think if, if better, more talented teams are able to stick around the way that these teams are, I think could be a problem for this team. Um, you know, I think obviously we'll get into it a little bit, but I think that's one of my biggest um, – you know, if you want to call it a worry, um, worries whenever I look at this this team this this season is, you know, obviously they end up winning big on the scoreboard by the end of the game. But when you're playing, you know, in a, in a few games, you know, teams like Tennessee or things like that, I think that can cause problems. Um, and I think that kind of goes right into, you know, some of the takeaways that I kind of saw. 
Um, you know, I just I kind of felt like this game there was kind of a fluctuation of effort that they gave defensively. You know, I think there were times when you really saw them get up into the ball and you really saw them pressure. Um, you know, you saw a few times in the second half they had some full court pressure. Um, they were kind of causing, you know, Lehigh to kind of, you know, get out of rhythm and get out of how they like to play. And I think that's huge. Obviously, it's not realistic to expect a team to be able to play press defense the entire game. It's a long game. 40 minutes is a lot of time. Um, but just seeing that energy, I think you kind of saw lulls in there. You know, I know, you know, they talked about it on on the broadcast a ton, but I know Coach Davis, you know, was talking about going into this game. That one of the biggest things was defending the three-point line. Um, but when you kind of saw in the first half, guys were pretty comfortable. You know, obviously, you know, they had some guys that were um, that are pretty decent players and pretty good scorers that, you know, in their conference, they're going to do some really big things. But, you know, you just kind of saw them kind of running their offense, um, you know, and guys just getting open looks or, you know, not as contested as you saw as the second half went on. And I think that's kind of probably the biggest thing for this team is can they be consistent from the effort side of things? And defensively, obviously, it's the easiest way to see the effort, um, you know, throughout the game. So I think watching that, I think defensively, their consistency went kind of up and down. Um, and like I said, it's early, you know, defense is the same as offense. You have to figure out how certain guys like to defend or, you know, when you need to be in certain help side or things like that. So it's super early. Um, but I think as watching the game, I think that's kind of what I saw offensively. You know, obviously, I think everybody's going to talk about Mondo and his 2020 game. Um, but I think, you know, one thing for me that was really encouraging and positive to see was see uh, RJ get going um, and kind of see him settle in and get, get you know, a, a hot game in there. Um, obviously, I think against Radford, he didn't shoot it as well as I think even he would, you know, want to shoot it. So kind of seeing him be aggressive, you know, from the jump and, you know, do what he did was, was, was really encouraging. Um, you know, and then, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, kind of a hard to, you know, understand when I say it, but I think something that was encouraging too, was the fact that they didn't shoot it well from the outside and still were able to win by 22 points. Um, you know, I think I've repeatedly talked about how it's exciting to kind of see a team now that can shoot it, that can, you know, space the floor a lot better this year and, and cause more space for Mondo and RJ and, and guys to be able to get downhill. Um, and so to see them not be able to shoot it, you know, which I think is going to be one of their biggest strengths and still be able to come out on top the way that they did, I think was encouraging to me um, because you add, you know, you add five, six of those threes that they missed. This game is probably a 35, 40 point blowout. So, um, you know, I think for me, those were some encouraging signs. Um, and so, you know, hopefully, you know, that the, the basketball, one thing that I think fans kind of miss is basketball is such a game of ups and downs. It just is how it is. You know, you, you might be, you might shoot 75% from three, one game and the next three games, you might not be able to throw it into the ocean. And so, you know, having the first two games where they're, you know, I think what they're shooting 32% through the first two games and from three and having that, but still being able to come out on top um, for me is a great sign as opposed to why are they not hitting threes? Um, so I think that's going to be, that's going to be something big to continue to watch and hopefully they can, can, you know, kind of get on track and get hot a little bit here. 
Yeah, you're listening to Shooting It Straight with Justin Jackson. This is episode three. We want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors as well. Johnny T-Shirt, you can check them out at johnnytshirt.com or on Franklin Street. And Congruity HR, they're a North Carolina-based HR uh, that powers small and mid-sized businesses. So shout out to both of our sponsors there. I wanted to come back, though, Justin, to what you said there about some of the uh, concerns uh, with how close these games were to kind of dig in one step deeper. UNC trailed 41 to 38 with around two minutes left in the first half against Radford and against Lehigh UNC led by only three with 13 minutes left in the second half. Now the advanced stats, the minimum win probabilities there, they never really dipped below 88%. So the game was never really in doubt, but when you see that and it's now happened in the first two games of the season, does the flag go up a little bit in your eyes? And are you starting to maybe be a little bit concerned? Because we also saw this a little bit last year. UNC struggled in some of the early games. And then the next thing you know, they had a four-game losing streak. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's it's. I think it's too early to say that red flags are going up. I think, you know, we have to take into account that they didn't shoot the ball well from three. So that obviously kind of changes the game plan up a little bit. You know, you go into a game expecting guys who are knockdown shooters to knock down the shots. And so when you, you know, have guys that are, you know, can't seem to find it that night, you have to find other ways to just win the game. And obviously, I think, you know, a big part of that is obviously Mondo on the glass and him inside. Um, You know, but I think there's just other ways that they were able to, you know, take advantage of certain things. And like I talked about, it's hard enough to win in college basketball. It doesn't matter who it is that you're playing against. You know, Lehigh is a talented team. You know, they had some guys that were, you know, really scoring the ball well. They had some bigs down low. They were trying to make it as difficult as they possibly could on Mondo. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily a red flag. I think it's something to definitely be aware of, um, especially, you know, as, as the season goes on. You know, they've got some big games coming up, a big tournament coming up, you know, over Thanksgiving. And, you can't have these lulls and these situations where, you know, these teams that probably, you know, that you're better than stick around. The problem with basketball too is it's a game all about confidence. And so if you give a team that shouldn't be, you know, in the game with you, if you give them confidence, there's no telling what might happen. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, it's, it's too early to say, oh man, they really got to pick it up here. But I think at the same time, if they want to be the team that I think that they can be, you know, and make a run and, you know, try to win the whole thing. I think from start to finish, they have to come out like the dominant team that I think that they can be. Um, You know, it was interesting. I was, as I was watching the game, I was talking actually to my dad and I just asked him because he was obviously a spectator and a fan as I was at school. You know, was there ever times when, when I was at school that we had these type of games where, you know, we should blow this team out we're way more talented this, than this team. But we just kind of let, let them hang around. We kind of let them, you know, stick around. We go into halftime. Maybe we're down or we're barely up and go into the second half, and we're still struggling. We just can't really get over that hump um, until we finally do. And, you know, he told me, he, he was like, I don't, I don't think there ever really was a game like that. When y'all were better than a team, y'all went out there and y'all proved that and showed that. Um, I think it's a little different because I'm going to continue to go back to it. it is such a new team and they've got so many new players trying to figure out where on the floor offensively and defensively they should be effective. 
and where they can help their teammates and what they can do to help this team win. Um, so it's a little bit different because our team, we had been with each other uh, for at least two years. Um, and so it was, you know, we were just kind of picking right back up from where we were. So I think we all start to keep in mind that they are still gelling and they are still getting used to each other. But at the same time, like I said, for them to be as good of a team as I think that they can be from start to finish, they have to be that dominant team, you know, and, and that's make or miss, you know, shots from the outside. There has to be an ability to be able to look at each other and say, Hey, look, we're more talented than this team. We're more athletic than this team. We're better overall than this team. We have to go out there and show it from the jump. Um, and so I think hopefully going forward, you know, I think maybe these two teams, these two games, maybe, you know, we're kind of some, okay, guys, we got to make sure to pick it up, you know, because we can't go into, you know, like you said, it was 13 minutes left in the game and they were up three points um, or down three. Um, so, you know, it's, I think it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And I think, you know, I'm sure Coach Davis and that coaching staff will do a great job of kind of, you know, reiterating that to them that, you know, what every minute is important. Um, it doesn't matter what team we're playing against. Because the problem is when you're in these Thanksgiving tournaments and things like that coming up, there's really no no more warm-up games per se. You know, it's it's right into it. So you don't have as much of a learning curve as you usually would when you're not playing in that in those type of tournaments. So, you know, I think that's kind of what it is. I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm concerned about it. Um, but I think also, you know, going off of that, you look at that and it was kind of the same for the Radford game from, I think it was like 13 and a half minutes to about five minutes. They only held them to six points. Um, so that obviously shows, you know, and that was kind of during the time when you kind of saw the defensive energy kind of pick up and get a little bit more that, you know, it's always funny how basketball works defensively when you're locked in offense seems to come so much easier and smoother. Um, and so you kind of saw them get stops. They got in transition RJ hit a couple buckets. Mondo had some down low. Offense just kind of seemed to move and be a little more smooth. And so, you know, that right there is impressive. That's basically eight minutes of holding these guys to six points. That's that's pretty impressive in a college basketball game. So, you know, going off of, you know, oh, man, they're only up three points, but then all of a sudden they go on a huge run and are able to hold these guys to, you know, that amount of points and still score on the other end. I think is another testament to kind of them sticking with it and, and finding a way to to pull the game out. So, um, you know, I think that was, I think that was a, a good sign to see, you know, even in the game when you're kind of like, man, we just, we, we can't get it going. We don't necessarily have, you know, that oomph tonight, you know, but we're able to, you know, when it comes down to winning time, we're able to lock it in and, and figure it out. So, you know, I think that was, I think that was a big, a big sign going into and hopefully carrying it over into the next game that they, that they have. You brought up RJ and Armando as well. I've been so impressed with them so far this season. To me, they just seem like professionals. They don't seem like college basketball players in terms of their consistency, uh, what they're bringing to the table every single night. You know, it feels like, you know, you know, and it's true too. They, they're a little bit older than some of their, their peers at the college level. They know exactly what's expected them night in and night out. Um, you referenced RJ's shooting as well. He's been on fire from the long two range. He's five of six, <laughs> 83% on twos longer than 15 feet. That's from uh, CBB analytics. So that's just sort of the sweet spot for RJ. I wanted to talk about Armando as well, because we've gotten the chance to kind of look at what his game looks like with some more spacing on the floor. 
and we've kind of seen the impact of UNC shooting on his game. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny because people almost get tired of, I'll, I'll call it greatness, but people almost get tired of seeing consistency, you know, like people want to see, oh, who's the new guy on the block? Who's the new guy that's, you know, being effective? But with Mondo, for all the years that he's been at school, he's done exactly what he's done and been very consistent doing it. I mean, there's a reason why by the time that he, you know, leaves school and graduates, not only is he going to be in history books at UNC, but in all of college basketball and for sure in the ACC, he's probably going to have his name on a lot of different parts of the record books. And so that only comes from being consistent. So when you, when you see, you know, it's funny because even as consistent and as good as he has been, you know, to the naked eye, when you really look at his game, he probably could be averaging 30 and 15, you know, like, like just from some of the bunnies that he's missed and things like that. But on the other hand, when I watch his game, one thing that he's done great at in these first two games is free throw shooting, you know, and, and being, being somebody that, you know, dominates on the block so much, sometimes the only thing that did, you know, opposing teams can do is foul you and hope you miss free throws. So to see him being consistent at the free throw line is I think a huge step, you know, in the right direction for him. Um, but like, like we said, when you, when you look at, when you kind of break down how the offense looks this year, right. And and we talk about RJ and Mondo and how they're kind of the main, you know, catalysts of this team. Well, it also, the, the supporting cast around is also very important, even if they're not involved in the play. Right. So you, you look at this play right here. And this is from last year uh, from the Virginia game. Uh, this is a screenshot. If you're listening on podcast, we're walking through a screenshot of a play uh, from from that game. I think Justin's going to take us through this one and one from this year as well. Right, right. So just bear with me if you're just listening, if you're watching, hopefully you can follow. Um, but when you look at this, it's obviously RJ passing the ball into Mondo on the block. Well, everybody else is basically around the perimeter. But And it's a little different here because it's Virginia and their defense is is a little bit more you know, they kind of try to keep everybody inside the three-point line and kind of pack the paint. You know, the whole pack line defense is is tough to play against. Um, but when you look at this, Mondo's getting the ball in the block, and there's already basically three guys facing him. The guy, the guy that's guarding RJ that passed the ball into him isn't – he has his back completely to RJ. They're sending another guy from the next pass, which in this picture is Puff, uh, they're sending him all the way from the opposite slot, which is basically when you look at the paint, you know, you, you take it all the way up towards half court. They call it the slot basically from, you know, that area. It's the middle of the floor. And then right next to that is the slot. So Puff is right that right there in the slot. And that's where they're sending the opposite help. Well, then the opposite side is has at least one foot in the paint as well. So you basically have five players playing defense on Mondo in the paint. Now, like I said, that that can be Virginia's defense. That can be their schemes. But I think you saw that you saw this a whole lot last year, where it was basically the teams were daring all the other guys on the floor to shoot the ball as long as they get the ball out of Mondo's hands. And so that's you know if Mondo is going to be their their number one guy, you're just making his 
his night extremely difficult if if there is any kind of room that he can do to make moves. If not, he's having to kick it out, and then we're having to rely on these guys who weren't necessarily proven knockdown shooters at all times. We're relying on them to be a huge focal point of the game. So then you have you have the other picture. So then when you look at the next picture from their first game against Radford this year, you know, he gets the ball in the block, and there's one player with only one foot in the paint. And everybody else is on offense for us. North Carolina is spaced out around the three-point line. And then everybody else is closer to bodies because they know the threats that they pose from the outside. And so I think, you know, we've talked about it a little bit through, you know, the first two episodes. But I think when you look at this picture right here, there's not many bigs in the entire country that can keep Mondo from getting to where he wants to get in this situation. So now, even if, even if somebody were to say, okay, hey, look, we need to double him when he gets the ball. Now, if somebody, and once again, if you're just listening, it's going to be kind of tough to follow this. But now if, if let's say Cormac is the one to pass the ball into Mondo right there on the block. Now it's such a longer way for the guy guarding him to go double. It's such a longer way for the guy guarding Harrison to go double and everybody else. It's such a longer way that it gives Mondo more space to make a move and do whatever he needs to do quicker. Um, and then if Mondo decides to pass it out, because it's such a longer run, it's a way longer run to get back to your man or for guys to get into rotation defensively. So then you can get whatever you want because you're just playing off of closeouts and guys trying to just run you off the three-point line. And so I think when I see this type of picture, I think that will get this. This is what gets me so much more excited because it opens things up so much more offensively, right? You have your main guy going one-on-one with somebody that more than likely can't keep him away from the rim. And then if they start to try to make adjustments, then it just opens things up completely for your offense. Um, And so I think when you watch, you know, these first two games, I think obviously there are things that you can nitpick and there's things that you can see that they can do better, but this right here automatically makes their offense better. And so, you know, with the shots and things like that, like we talked about previously, there are guys that have proven that they are knockdown shooters. You know, obviously they haven't been able to find it fully in the first two games, but when you have that kind of space and then all of a sudden when the ball starts moving around and you're, you know, playing with a guy trying to close out, you know, three feet away as a shooter, then the, the, the rim seems to just get so much bigger because you have more time to lock in. You've got time to make sure that your mechanics are right. Your follow through is right. All that kind of stuff. And so, I think that right there is hopefully the picture that we see throughout the whole year. Um, And once again, going back to Mondo's consistency, it's going to all be based off of what his consistency has been because he's going to now, you know, have the room to do what he needs to do or make the defense, you know, make adjustments and do things like that. Um, so I think that was one of the biggest – that's been one of the, the the coolest things to me is kind of seeing how their offense has kind of evolved this year, just purely off of having guys that can space and knock down shots. And so, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, kind of talking about guys coming off the bench, then you've got, you know, athletes and things like that, Elliot, and, you know, I think Withers is going to be somebody that, you know, you kind of see him hopefully step into a little bit of a bigger role. And, you know, you kind of see – guys like that who can get downhill and, and are really great drivers all of a sudden have so much more space as well. 
which then creates even more problems for the defense. And so, you know, hopefully that's the picture they keep. Hopefully they kind of, you know, watch that and they make sure that they, you know, consistently play that way offensively. But I think that's what's so big for me um, is just kind of seeing that space to operate. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And something to watch as well that goes along with that is Armando's turnover numbers and maybe even as well his assist to turnover ratio. So just to pull out the numbers here, last season Armando had 45 assists to 71 turnovers. This season, small sample size, two games, but he has two assists to two turnovers. So if he can kind of keep those turnover lumber numbers low and you know maybe pass out of some of those uh, potential double teams if they come to those open shooters. I think that's another way uh, that the offense can improve. Uh, we talked about Armando improving his free throw percentage, but if he's also improving his turnovers and keeping those down this season, that's another big jump that he's made. For sure. And I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's obviously we talk about, you know, everybody kind of gets tired of consistency. You know, you kind of start once somebody has been so good for so long, you start really having to be, you know, almost nitpicky as far as where, what's something that they can get better at and things like that. So I think, you know, to your point, I think kind of the free throws and taking care of the ball, which, I mean, if, if I had three guys, if my back was to the basket, and I had three guys basically swarming me every single time I got the ball on the block, it'd be hard for me to keep my, you know, assist to turnover ratio, um, you know, high as well, which I think, you know, a part of it is, you know, if, you know, he is such a great player, so it does fall on him as far as taking care of the ball. But, you know, that that is a lot harder to go against as opposed to that second picture that we saw where it's just him versus one guy and he's already got him almost underneath the rim. Um, and so I think that's I think that's, you know, something that they I think will continue. You know, I think a lot of times, um, you know, this kind of goes back to practice. You know, I think. uh you know, you work on these, you work on it all the time, whether it's spacing or different ways to get him the ball in the post and how to space around that. So I'm sure they're working on all of that, you know, through practice and things like that, which is, you know, I think kind of what takes me to my next point when it comes to um, the bench. And I think for so long, you know, the last few years, it's been who's going to be that bench guy that comes in and is able to consistently provide for this team, you know, whether it is for 15 minutes or some games, it might be for 25, 30 minutes if foul trouble is involved or if they've got it going or whatever it might be. But I think, you know, I think for most fans when they watch, I think their obvious answer would probably be Elliot. Um, 
I think when I watch it, I think, like I had mentioned, I think Withers is is somebody that I think could really be big for this team, you know, coming off the bench and um, bringing an athletic, you know, guy that can guard multiple positions, can get downhill, um, cause, you know, really put pressure on the rim and on defenses when it comes to that. Um, you know, obviously we've watched the freshman Zayden, you know, come in and try to provide as much energy. Um, it's hard to really, um, you know, put, uh, I guess I would say a lot of, you know, hope maybe is the right word, um, that freshmen can come in right away and really give you that punch off the bench. Um, but I think when I see the guys on the bench, um, you know, I've kind of seen some, some things of people saying, you know, Elliot needs to play more. He should be starting yada, yada. I think when you see who's playing and who's not, a lot of times it goes back to practice and it goes to how has off season been? How has practices been? How has, you know, how have they looked and how hard have they worked throughout practices and the off season workouts and things like that. So, you know, as fans, you just kind of see names, right? Like, Oh, Ellie Cadeau, he was this highly touted high school player reclassed. Yes. We get a really great player. And Elliot is by all means, a extremely good basketball player. Um, but I think a lot of times we have to take a step back when we're watching the games and say, okay, well, these coaches are with these players all the time in practice. What do they look like in practice? How hard do they go in practice? Um, and so, you know, it's hard for me to really say who should play more, who shouldn't play more. I think you will see Elliot kind of play around the same amount that he's playing now. Um, I think, like I said, I think you're going to see Jalen Withers play a little bit more. I think he's going to be that second guy off the bench. Um, you know, and then after that, you know, it's probably just kind of up to whatever the game plan is in particular games, you know, what the matchups are. If another team is big, you might see Jalen Washington play more. Um, you know, if they have more of a versatile four-man or whatever, you might see Zayden Hyde play a little bit more. But I think the two guys that I think are going to be, you know, consistently playing a decent amount off the bench are those two guys, Elliot and, and Withers. And, you know, obviously um, it'll be – you know, kind of a learning curve for both of those guys coming over, you know, one's a freshman, one's coming from a totally different system. Um, Elliot's still a freshman, you know, he's, he's, it's okay for him to go through some of the freshman adjustments. Everybody put, every player goes through it. Um, and so I think sometimes when you see certain situations happen to him, a lot of times it's just unfortunate um, because of, okay, this guy's a lot faster in recovering than the guy that I was going against last year in high school, it was, um, you know, or this past usually is there for me every single time. Well, these guys are a little bit longer, a little bit stronger, able to get through screens a little bit more. Um, so like I said, it's okay for him to have those situations, but I think coach Davis is going to do a great job of working with him while also giving him those minutes to grow through them. Um, and I think, you know, he's going to help this team, you know, an extreme amount as the season goes on. North Carolina plays on Friday against UC Riverside uh, before their big uh, tournament next week over the Thanksgiving holiday. Justin, what's like the one or two things that you're going to be looking for in this third game of the season? Not to call it a tune-up game, but, you know, UC Riverside is a little bit of a lighter opponent. What will you be looking for that you want to see UNC clean up or maybe improve upon from the first two games? I think there's a few things. I think for me, 
kind of seeing if they can get on track shooting wise. Uh, if guys like Cormac and, you know, obviously we saw RJ get hot, but guys like Cormac, Pax, um, Harrison, if they can kind of get on track and get hot a little bit, um, get in rhythm, you know, as they go into that tournament, I think that's going to be key for them. I think defensively, it's going to be big to kind of see the effort and the energy from start to finish. It doesn't really matter. Like we talked about before, it doesn't matter who they're playing against. It's still another opportunity to kind of go out um, and show. I think a lot of times, you know, players kind of take for granted that, you know, these games aren't as important because the teams are a little less talented. Um, I know I did when I was at school. I know, you know, it just happens as a human. You're kind of like, okay, we're way better than this team. We're going to go out here. We're going to win, you know, whatever. But a lot of times these are opportunities, you know, whether it's opportunities to get better at something, whether it's opportunities to show the country that, hey, these guys are the real deal, whether it's opportunities to gel more as a team, get better offensively and defensively, figuring out each other as players. There's a ton of opportunities in these type of games. And as coaches, there's opportunities as well. A lot of times coaches use these kind of games to kind of see who they can trust and who they can rely on for, you know, once these harder games and, and you know, stretches of games start to come up. So I think as players, they have to look at this game as just an opportunity, another opportunity to go out there and play, obviously, the wonderful game of basketball, um, but also a way to get better, you know, in whatever aspects they need to get better individually and as a team. And so that's what I'm looking for, I think, defensively and shooting-wise, um, and just kind of seeing if they can, you know, get those meshed together in a full game. Because I think if they get those fully meshed, I think that this team could really be really good. And, um, you know, so hopefully, you know, I'm sure that's what Coach Davis is kind of talking about and all the other coaches are talking about, you know, throughout practice this week. And, you know, obviously you never look past, uh, you never look past an opponent. But when you look at kind of the stretches of games they're going to have coming up, you know, this is a opportunity to prepare for this season going forward. And we're going to go in there. We're going to respect this team enough to play extremely hard, to do the things that we can do and, you know, hopefully come out of there with a win. Yeah, you brought up the preseason tournament as well. I wanted to talk about that a little bit. And we have some listener questions as well about the, the preseason tournaments. Last year, UNC had a little bit of a rougher time in that Thanksgiving tournament. But it's also, like you said, an opportunity to gel a little bit as a team. You know, you don't get that many back-to-backs in, in college basketball really at all, unless you're maybe counting, you know, the NCAA tournament time or something. Mm-hmm. So you get the opportunity as well to maybe build some momentum, uh, put a few games uh, back-to-back-to-back and, and really play well uh, as a team. How do you think about those tournaments as a player? And what do you think UNC should do uh, to maybe avoid some of the tougher results that they had last year in the tournament? I think, um, you know, it's that same mindset. It's, you know, it's once again, it's an opportunity. And it's a chance for you to go out here um, and play. For one, the the coolest thing for me when I was a player in college uh, and even now as a fan watching is to see teams that would never play against each other unless it was this kind of tournament or March Madness, um, to see them go against each other, the different styles that you're playing against and the different kinds of players that maybe, you know, SEC is totally different basketball than the ACC. You know, same thing for all the other conferences. There's just different brands of basketball. And so to see, you know, 
for for North Carolina if they were to run into certain teams to see those matchups for me is um, very exciting just to kind of see how they're able to for one it's it's short notice each game is you, you know you might not know who you're playing until nine o'clock that night um, so to kind of see how they prepare how they get ready for these different teams these different styles I think is very exciting and I think as a player it's fun because okay we actually get to play against a different you know, team that we see two or three times throughout the year. Um, so I think that's kind of the coolest things for, you know, playing these kind of tournaments for that. Plus, you're one of – there's so much more attention on your tournaments and on your games because it's during the holidays. That's also such a cool thing for players is I know I have a ton of people tuned in watching this game because they're sitting at home eating mashed potatoes and eating turkey and ham and, just enjoying my basketball game. So, um, you know, I think, I think it should be a good, once again, a good opportunity, a good chance for them to go in there and try to do what they can do. And, you know, hopefully put the country on notice as far as the kind of team that they can be and, you know, how people should be ready for them. Let's talk a little bit about off the court as well. Cause we have our first uh, listener question here. If you ever want to submit a question to the show, reach out to Justin on Twitter or hit us up on the Inside Carolina message boards. We'll take listener questions throughout the season. This one is from Humphrey14. He asks, how much freedom do you get during the Thanksgiving tournament? Uh, I assume Roy Williams isn't riding the slides with you at uh, the Atlantis <laughs> Resort, but I'm sure you guys get to have some fun as well as a team. Yeah, uh, my, my first year, uh, my freshman year, we actually got lucky because we went to the Bahamas twice that year. Um, the first time was more of a, we had two scrimmages, but the first time was more of a, uh, almost like a vacation together type of thing. Like I, we even lost that year, which it was to like the Bohemian All-Stars or something like that. Um, we lost in, in one of those games. Wait, was that um, the one that Carl Anthony Towns was on or am I way off? No, it was, uh, it was DeAndre Ayton. That's right. He was on that team. Like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, we should have known he was going to be as good as he is now from that particular game. Uh, but so that was the time that we were able to kind of experience the Bahamas, um, experience Atlantis. We were able to go down, you know, the slides if you wanted to. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't think people are, are, you know, too happy about it. But the the gambling age is a different age there in the Bahamas. Um, so, you know, if you enjoy doing that and obviously nowadays we've got old enough players on these teams that have probably been gambling for two three years at this point so um you know we were able to experience all of that then so then when we came back for the actual battle of atlantis it was a lot more about basketball than enjoying yourself uh, but at the same time as thanksgiving you know i'm sure some some people will have their fam their family in town um, to kind of be there for them but one thing that i always love about Coach Williams, and I'm sure Coach Davis does the same thing. On Thanksgiving, they would always have basically a full Thanksgiving meal. You know, it was the mashed potatoes, the mac and cheese, green beans, you know, ham, turkey, all that kind of stuff, all that good stuff. They would always have that for us. So we were able to kind of have that kind of experience. Obviously, we weren't at our homes and things like that, but they tried their best to make that, you know, feel as normal as possible. So that was huge. Um, but a lot, I mean, with these tournaments, it's like I said, it's just another game, you know, and that's kind of how you have to approach it. And it's, 
a situation where these games are important when it comes down to, you know, when you get to tournament time and these, you know, committees are picking, you know, these different teams for different seeds and things like that. These are the type of games that they'll go back and look at. Are these good or bad losses that they had? Um, how well did they do against these different opponents? So, you know, these are, you know, it's one of those things you have to kind of look big picture. You know, obviously we want to win these games. We want to, you know, be prepared as much as possible for the now, but also how is this going to affect us going throughout the season? So, you know, I think it's just another one of those times where you got to look at it as another game and get locked in as possible. You, uh, you have to assume UNC would have loved to have won that game against Alabama in four overtimes. <laughs> that would have helped come tournament exactly. time last year. So that shows that these games definitely matter. I'm going to get one more uh, listener question in here. This one is from uh, your old coach. He commented. No, it's probably not him. Hall of Fame <laughs> coach Roy. He said, thoughts on the program overall since Hubert took over and thoughts on Hubert as a head coach. You had a relationship with him uh, when you were playing there, but you know, now that you're a little bit away from the program, what have you seen from him as a head coach? Yeah. I mean, like you said, my, my, relationship with him before it's a little different being an assistant as opposed to a head coach the relationships are just a little different but i love coach davis you know i still to this day as a man coach davis is one of the uh, most amazing men i've ever been around and i think he carries that into the way that he coaches and his style of coaching i think that's how he uh, you know interacts with the players i think that's how he interacts with the staff um and so for me, when I kind of look at his, you know, whole picture of him as a head coach in North Carolina, for one, you have to take into account that he took over for arguably one of the best college basketball coaches of all time in Coach Williams. And so you kind of see that it seems like it's just another coach kind of filling in, but the traditions and the um, just the things that Coach Williams brought to this university and this program it's hard to step into that with everybody expecting everything to be the exact same as how coach Williams was so you have to take that into account then you have to take into account his first year he took them to the championship game now they struggled that year leading up to the tournament right but when it came down to winning time they almost won the entire thing, which is what teams work for all off season, all season to work to. So then you look at last season, which some, most people, and I would probably say even myself look at it as kind of a disappointment of not making the tournament, didn't play very well. Um, and you look at how he handled that personally, right? Like he took the blame. He made certain decisions in the off season to bring certain transfers in and bring, you know, these freshmen in and, you know, kind of picked certain guys that he felt like would fit into a winning situation, a winning culture. And now they have this team that's built that I think is built with everything that they need to make a long run. And so I'll continuously say it. I think coach Davis is by far the right man for the job. I think, you know, going anywhere else, you know, I think Coach Davis brings exactly what you want, um, what you need for a really good head coach of a winning program. Um, and so for me, I'm extremely happy to see Coach Davis at the helm. I'm extremely happy to see him standing on the sidelines, making all the calls and and being the guy who runs things over there on that side. And so, 
I think he's going to continue to get better. I think he's one of the big things that's going for him is he's a huge players coach. He's able to interact with the players and, you know, handle the players in a way that makes them want to play for him that makes him want to play hard for him. So, you know, I think he's doing an unbelievable job. I think he's going to continue to do better and probably even better as time goes on and as the season goes on. So I think, uh, Hall of Fame coach Roy, I think that this is uh, this is exactly who we want to be there for this University of North Carolina basketball team. Awesome. That's a great place to end tonight's show, I think, as well. Like I said earlier, UNC has a game on Friday, and then stay tuned next week for full coverage of the Battle for Atlantis tournament, possibly a special show uh, for Justin and I uh, to cover some of next week's games. More to come on that later. Uh, Justin, any final thoughts before we get out of here for episode three? No, I think just uh, be ready. We'll see what happens with Thanksgiving. You know, it might be a kind of a different situation for next week's episode. But uh, once again, I'll always go back to the, you know, thank you for everybody listening and watching and tuning in. Uh, We really do appreciate you. And, you know, this is enjoyable for both of us. You know, I hate to speak for you, John, but is enjoyable for both of us um, to be able to just talk about, you know, the best, best college in the country um, and kind of break some things down and, you know, help some people, you know, that might be confused about certain things. So thank y'all once again, we appreciate you. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to y'all next week.